This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. September is Disability Employment Month in British Columbia. You are probably aware of this. Why? Because we've talked about it a few times on the show. We've laid out what is happening as part of the month. However, we haven't really scratched a bit deeper onto what it means in terms of companies being truly inclusive, what they could actually be doing to ensure potential employees feel included right from the get-go. So let's bring in Anupala to discuss a more inclusive employment landscape. Anu is the founder of A New Vision. Hey, good morning, Anu. Great to chat with you once again. Morning, Dave. So as I mentioned, we talked about this with a couple representatives from the BC government, and we've shared a couple of what and where's for different events. So it feels like we're talking about employment opportunities for people with disabilities, maybe sometimes to the point that we're even preaching to the choir. Now, you're someone who's on the ground. You're working. You're grinding. You're talking to all kinds of people and organizations. Does it feel like the message is getting through? I really do think that it is. It's much better. I think we've really come a long way from the days where uh, when I began this work in the mid-2000s. So I feel like we have definitely come a long way. Um, uh, there are a lot of advocates out there now um, who are doing this type of work, education. Um, I feel like everyone from small business to nonprofits to corporations are uh, really embracing diversity, equity, inclusion, all of that much more. And I think they're just more receptive to, you know, developing inclusive um, workplaces and developing those best practices. Even if the culture is changing or it feels like we're building momentum, we know some barriers still exist. And we're talking about beyond just sort of a physical barrier in a workplace. So even before somebody gets an interview or starts a new gig, where do the barriers begin? Well, I think a lot of us with vision loss can definitely attest to inaccessible websites. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, when, we're, when yeah. we're looking for, when we're seeking employment um, and we're uh, researching particular companies, if the website is inaccessible, then that's a huge barrier, obviously, right off the bat, because we're not able to fully learn about that particular uh, company or organization and even potentially scope out some um potential jobs. So inaccessible websites is a really big one. And in addition to that, I would also say like inaccessible um, online platforms where we can find employment uh, job opportunities, you know, like Indeed or Monster.com or whatever it may be. So if those online platforms are inaccessible, that's also obviously a really, really huge barrier. And I would say the other one, uh, another really, really big one is when employers are just not creative. Um, around creating those types of um, jobs. So I would say, for example, in my work as a vocational consultant, I often, when I'm speaking with uh, employers, I talk about job carving. So maybe there might be a particular job that a client might be interested in, and there might be a certain aspects of that job that um, they may not be able to fully, you know, perform. Um, so when employers are pretty rigid on those uh, jobs, uh, in terms of those job duties, that can be a, a really big barrier as well. 
Anu, I sometimes have these moments of reflection where I realize that I have not gone through the A to Z job application process in about 12 years, which is kind of stunning to think about, uh, that I've been very lucky to sort of have one job opportunity find its way into another. I've been really chasing the dominoes for a little bit now. But I do have experience in the process, right? That we know that it goes beyond just sending an email or sending in an application. There's oftentimes phone calls and meetings and interviews. What do you think an employer can do to make that experience a little more comfortable for somebody, uh, especially someone who has a disability, as they're going through that process, even before they get a job, but walking through the interview and application process? Well, I think one really big thing is, is that management on all levels should be on the same page when it comes to inclusive hiring. So what we see sometimes is that we have a lot of champions in the uh, management side of things, um, which is amazing. It's really great to see, but but that has to be across the board. Um, so whether it's just the, if you're looking at it from a recruitment perspective, I would say uh, managers at all levels need to be uh, on the same page. And I would say also, in addition to that, just the whole company culture. So employees, um, everyone should be um, you know, just um, uh, trained and and ready to uh, embrace people from all backgrounds and walks of life. Um, I would say that the President's Group here in BC has amazing courses, uh, online courses that they offer, so employers can also, you know, just uh, tap into those courses as well if they're looking for a place to um, access some type of education. and I thought say that the other one I really wanted to mention is that employers really should be open-minded and put their biases aside. Mm. You know what I think about from a really practical point of view? It's employers or managers being proactive about accommodation, not simply just waiting for me to bring up an issue, but saying, hey, right from the get-go, hey, you sent us an email to apply. You mentioned that you have a disability. We just want to let you know that we'll try to accommodate you however we can right here from the start, right? It's it's a proactive check-in as opposed to waiting for me to flag something, flag something, flag something. Because especially if you're yeah. nervous about applying for a job, as soon as you may hinder, hit some kind of barrier, that may be super dissuading. And you may not even want to send what could feel like an uncomfortable email to do that kind of advocacy. That's true. I totally agree with that. Yeah. What about, okay, let's, so now we're through the hiring process. We've been hired. It's our first couple of weeks at work. We're doing the onboarding. Anu, to me, this is such a critical point for an employee to feel welcomed in an inclusive place. Mm-hmm. And I find this is somewhere where a lot of companies really struggle. They don't know how to onboard with accommodation in mind or thinking about what a new employee might need to kind of breathe and settle in for a few weeks. So what can we do at a policy level to ensure that that onboarding process feels comfortable, straightforward? I mean, on a policy level, I think it's just that the the team, whoever that leadership team may be, needs to um, discuss of what would that look like. And the only way you can do that is to co-create that with your employees, you know, with different abilities. Because um, they're the ones who are going to be able to share like what's working and what's not working. So co-creating what that would look like uh, is a good place, you know, to start. 
So that's what yeah. I would say. I, I think about uh, a couple of companies that I've worked for over the years where there are a range of benefits available or maybe the office is gargantuan and there was no kind of simple walkthrough of, hey, these are your benefits. This is how you access them. Hey, this is where the bathroom is. This is where the kitchen is. You know, like really <laughs> yeah. basic stuff that would have made me feel 10 trillion times better about my experience. Yeah, and I wanted to also mention is like, you know, when you join a, a particular company or an organization, sometimes they have some internal training that you have to, you know, to, uh, to do first. And I had this experience um, a few years back when I joined a particular organization and they have those online modules. And I think I spent, I don't know, like a few weeks. And I'm just one of those people who... I learned better through conversations and learning by doing and just sitting there in front of a computer screen for days on end and just like watching videos and reading you know, a bunch of content. It was really hard to stay engaged with that. So I think checking in, you know, with with your uh, new employees as well to say, hey, what's how are you doing? Is it, you know, just like a check in. And that's why I'm saying like co-creating what that could look like. Um, is a, is really a proactive way of doing this. Anu, we were just talking in the last segment to Ryan Chin, who has a brand new personal finances podcast coming out on the AMI Audio uh, family of podcast networks. And we know that when we're talking about the disability experience, there's a wide spectrum, right? There's people who are maybe dealing with significant poverty, just trying to get an entry-level job somewhere. But then there are also people who are getting that entry-level job or even moving their way up into that next, that second or third level. But now retention comes into play. What do you think a company can do to ensure that retention of an employee with a disability is at its core as well? Retention is really, really huge. And I think a lot of it is just really... Um, just supporting the employee and making sure that they are being acknowledged for their work, um, providing those professional development opportunities and also professional growth opportunities, I would say, because I'm sure you know, Dave, that a lot of people with disabilities out there, they get these entry-level jobs, but unfortunately, there's not a lot of opportunity to grow mm. into management. And so really providing those opportunities for professional growth is a great way to keep um, your employees um, there for a long time. And that, that goes for anyone, not just a person with a disability. Yeah, it's it's one thing to say you have champions in the C-suite in regards to inclusion, but if there's a glass ceiling to get into that C-suite, that's a problem in and of itself. Uh, Anu, one last question here. Let's, let's switch focus to disclosure because a lot of what we've talked about does involve some advocacy, some confidence. What are some best practices when it comes to disclosure of a disability from the perspective of an employee? Well, I think it's one thing to really remember that disclosure is a choice. And so there are some people who will choose to disclose. They may have to disclose. So someone definitely with a vis with vision loss, um, I would definitely want to disclose to my uh, potential employer that, you know, I will need some accommodations. But for somebody who may have an invisible disability and that the job won't really impact you know, their performance, then they may not need to disclose. So that's one thing to just definitely, you know, keep in mind. Um, and, and I think that the, the day, like, it's just about being open um, to, to being, uh, to being, uh, to being open to be speaking with employers about that. And I think employers just need to be uh, comfortable with that piece as well, that, 
you know, not everyone is going to be disclose their disability, mm -hmm. but if they do, being receptive to provide those accommodations if it is needed. I know we've only got about a minute left here on the clock, but you wanted to make mention of an opportunity that you're going to have to present to some really powerful folks here coming down the pipeline. What's happening? Oh, well, I was just uh, speaking to you about this earlier that, that I have an opportunity to be the keynote for an upcoming conference with BC corporations um, in November. And so I'm really looking forward to that, to have that platform to be able to speak about these um, really important topics related to best practices in recruitment and retention for people with disabilities and uh, really trying to get more engaged with different um uh, bodies so I can uh, continue this really important work. And that's why we're all the more grateful that you can make time for us because you're talking to big wigs and then you're just talking to little old Dave Brown here on every couple Wednesdays. I knew <laughs> <laughs> all the best to you. Have a great day out there on the West Coast and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Dave. That's Anu Paula, the founder of A New Vision. I want to mention, we've been talking about the mighty AMI-audio family of podcasts all day. Well, there's a new episode coming out today of Kitchen Confession. Mary Mamaliti will chat with Chef Devan Rajkumar about his mission to modernize the craft, tradition, and tastes of East and West Indian cuisines. Yum, yum, yum. Kitchen Confession can be found on your favorite podcasting platform. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.